Hey, Philo community, welcome to the day before the Philo conference. If you haven't signed up yet, there's still time. I mean, you can come in person or online. Go sign up now. That is, of course, if it's May 10th where you are right now in 2021. Anyway, this has been a crazy season around here. And like many of you, we've been trying to figure out how to do an online experience while we're also producing an in-person event. And some of you are saying, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, welcome to my world. And let me just say, you guys have been crushing it this year, and we get it. What we all do is not easy, and I can't wait to be together in person and online. If there was ever a time to stop and reflect on what really matters in life, it is now. And to be reminded of why we do what we do, that all the hours that we put in are being used by God. We also need to be reminded that what we do is not a sprint, but it's a marathon. And, you know, we need to be doing it for the long haul, you know, building a volunteer team training a new lighting operator, seeing your kid's soccer match, eating dinner with your family, maybe enjoying the company of your coworkers. These are all things that matter and they all take time to develop that each encounter we have with others builds upon the one before, building a foundation towards something that lasts. And I know it can be easy for us to work really hard with our head down and just trying to get to the finish line only to find that the finish line keeps moving. Hello, 2020. You know, after this big project, or I just need to make it past Sunday. You know what? It's only one dance recital. There'll be more. And in this season at Philo, we keep saying, I'll save that for May 13th, you know, the day after the conference. Now I'm with you. Sometimes these phrases are true. And sometimes we just need to push through to the next big project is done. But if we aren't careful, this could become how we live our lives with no margin and living a short-term view kind of life. And all this that I'm saying is super convicting to me right now. And I need to be better about building my life around a structure that acknowledges the long haul. Now, if you're new to our podcast, our goal is to help you become more effective so that your church can become more effective. And we do that through this podcast, through Philo Coaching, Philo Staffing. We've got a book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas. And starting tomorrow, we got the Philo Conference. And in the next two days, I am so looking forward to being reminded of what matters. I can't wait to be with you, the Philo community. And if you're still on the fence about coming, let me just say that you're worth it. Two days out of one of the craziest years of our lives still isn't enough time for you to invest in yourself. So I would recommend just consider joining us either online or in person for the next two days. We've got space. You can go to philo.org to register. Also, if you or someone you know needs Spanish translation, we'll have live language interpretation for the main sessions and the feature breakouts. Pretty excited about that. All right, let's uh, dive into the podcast. We got a super special guest today, and without this person, you wouldn't be enjoying this podcast or our coaching cohorts or our website or the Philo Conference. I mean, I definitely would not have finished writing the book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, and some of you, some of you have caught on to who I'm talking about, and you're right, it's Chelsea Pribble. She's been a driving force behind Philo, well, I mean, since before the beginning, and she has really helped Philo to become, in the words of my youngest son back in 2017, a real conference. But more than that, she's helped Philo become a real source of inspiration and connection for thousands of church technical artists from around the world. So without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Chelsea. Hey, Chelsea. Hello. How are you? Not too bad. This nice. is awesome. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, and it's also happens to be your birthday. Oh my gosh. 
when we're listening, not right now, yes. but when people will be listening to this, your birthday. So happy birthday. Hey, thanks. So <laughs> celebrate me, Philo Sam. <laughs> That's right. Uh, celebrate by listening to this podcast and... Sharing maybe, with your friends. Share it with your friends and maybe DM Chelsea. There you go. Give yeah. me a little shout out. There you go. That'd make my day. Okay. Why don't we start with how we met? We've known each other a long time. We have. It's true. <laughs> I mean... 17, 18 years. Yeah, something, but who's counting? (laughs) So we were just talking about this before, but uh, that we don't actually remember meeting. Yes, it's true. (laughs) Neither one of us have any recollection. Yeah. The world may never know. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, we're both getting very old because we can't remember. Right. I started at Willow in 2004. Mm -hmm. And what year did you start? That was my first year at the same campus as you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll get into your story a little bit, but the just the pace at which Willow ran, it was like there's no time to meet anyone. You're just <laughs> like, oh, someone new's on the team? Yeah, okay, let's <laughs> we're working together. Yeah. Let's go. Welcome, so, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about this question and how we met, or the first time we met, and I don't know if you were there. I think you probably were, but we used to have these meetings of all the TDs of all the venues at Willow, mm. like once a week. Uh, Jill Gilly led the meeting, okay. and we used to meet in B one oh seven or wow, something yeah. like that. Like it had a like a patio out mm-hmm. outside <laughs> that <laughs> was surrounded by cement walls that were fifteen feet high or something like that because it was kind of sunken down into the the ground. And we always used to call it the prison yard. We did. (laughs) (laughs) So I just remember like that meeting of people and like I'm just now like imagining who was around that table. Mm -hmm. I was probably there. Yeah. Anyway, so so 2004 prison yard meetings. Yeah. So you were there at the same time as Jill Gilly, right? Correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we start with what you do now? And then let's tell the story of how you ended up here. Okay, awesome. So I am currently on the Philo team, kind of Todd's right-hand person of sorts, helping with all things operations and details uh, to keep the Philo beast moving forward (laughs) always. And so I've been on staff almost four years with you. So that's pretty cool. Time for a new laptop. That's what I was thinking about this morning, oddly enough. Like, so random. Okay. Yeah, I think my, my caps lock key is not working much anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's okay because caps lock is just leave it on. It's fine. <laughs> just act like I'm yelling at everybody right. all the time. Yeah, so four years on the Philo team, I think it has developed a little bit over time because I mm-hmm. think when we first jumped into this endeavor together um, in 2017, when you brought me on the team officially, we had no idea really what we needed or where this was going to go or what we For were going to do. And I think back in the day, we were primarily just a conference. Mm-hmm. And so most of our efforts were going towards pulling together great events and bringing people on site to certain locations. And look at us now, like tomorrow in real time, we're going to you know do this event that is not only in person, but also online. We'll call it events. It's really two events in one. It two, really two, is. two events in one. There you go. <laughs> We need Do a you know that jingle. commercial? No. It's like a double mint gum. Oh. Do you remember that? Barely. Anyway, that was sort <laughs> of their, they would have like twins oh. in their commercial and they're both having double mint. There you go. I'll have to look it up. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> random. 
those of you who are older like me will remember that commercial, I guess. There you go. Those of you that are younger, let's go look it up. Yeah. Yeah. So Or don't. <laughs> Just don't worry about it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The payoff won't be that great. No, right. Oh, yeah. dang You've it. heard it all. Like it's that's pretty much it. Okay. All right. Well, never mind. So yeah, we're no longer just a conference. We do all these other things like staffing and coaching and a blog and this, this podcast. podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I am in a little bit of everything and trying to help our team stay connected and get the details done. And You're a lot bit in everything. Just well, thanks. <laughs> don't sell yourself short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate Basically, that. Basically, nothing would happen without you here. So Well, thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> It's the best work ever. Nice, yeah. Yeah, It really is. So that's probably a good, you know, point to talk about the opposite end of the journey, the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Because what you referenced earlier was me working at Willow Creek with you. And that all started in high school. So when I was 16, attending one of Willow Creek's other campuses, I was just invited by a friend, had no previous connection to Willow Creek, she invited me. I started attending, and after a few weeks, somebody kind of yelled at me from across the room and said, hey, do you want to wrap a cable? And mm-hmm. honestly, I had no idea what that meant. But just in looking back, it's such a simple question, and it, it makes me realize that that could always be the start of somebody else's journey. Huh, yeah. So, yeah, serving as a high schooler in the high school ministry um, eventually led to an interest in doing it for midweeks and weekends, and it kind of grew and I think the the leaders at the at that campus at that time saw that they couldn't really shake me and couldn't really uh, get rid of me and saw that I had a really big interest in it and brought me on staff. So worked part-time at Willow for a couple of years and completed high school. And then it's when I graduated that Willow South Barrington called and happened to be the same day I was filling out my housing papers for college. I thought I was going to go to college, sure. maybe keep working part-time. Ripped those up, started working for Willow <laughs> full-time and continued my production journey at South Barrington, their mm-hmm. largest campus. And I think that that's when you and I must have met because we sure. probably onboarded that campus at a very similar right, yeah, similar season. So you came on to be the technical director for Impact, mm-hmm. is that right? The high mm-hmm. school ministry. And so they had just decided they were moving it to the weekend service times. I think that's when I got hired. Which yeah. is which meant that there was before that one technical director doing junior high and high school because they met at two different times. Yeah. And now they're meeting at the same time. And so there was a need for someone to do one or the other. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday morning experiences. We kind of mirrored the weekend, you know, the adult main weekend service time. So we had two Sunday morning services or something like that sure, right. when I was first hired. So I think I cut my teeth in a lot of ways on production and a lot of my leadership skills in that season because I was fresh out of high school, young female leader in the production department. Do you think I was the youngest one there? I couldn't think. I can't imagine that anybody was younger, no. Yeah. I think over time there were people a little bit younger than me years later, but... It's funny to be, number one, a female in production, number two, like 18. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like the same age as the kids that you're working with, Yeah, but you're the leader. Yeah, Right. <laughs> very, very crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, so the Lakeside Auditorium, was it in the Lakeside Auditorium? It was. Whoosh. I mean, that's like, that's mm-hmm. a hard room mm-hmm. to run by yourself. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, with volunteers, like you're just kind of spread out a little bit. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's not an easy. A large auditorium. And at the time, lots of technical capabilities, you know, like it wasn't a simple room. Right. Although I would say we had just abandoned that room. Just recently, <laughs> like right. days before. Yeah. So we moved, we moved, we opened the new auditorium. And so we basically gutted uh, <laughs> Lakeside Auditorium and hauled it all away. And yep. so you were left with a lot of like half working things. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, it's not, not me. <laughs> Thanks someone else. I don't know who, but. <laughs> I've got a couple of names. <laughs> I'll have to let him know. I'll, yeah. I'll reach out. I'll let him know. Big thank you. Oh my gosh. I can remember. So the just this reminding me of the day that we pulled out of Lakeside Auditorium. Mm-hmm. It was a was a Sunday afternoon Mm -hmm. and we had just done the leadership summit for the last time there and the weekend service. And as soon as the service was over, like everybody had assignments and we just like start pulling, unplugging things. And we had a broadcast studio down under the stage. And my job was to like get all that together and get it out of there and move it over to the new. And I can remember like, how are we going to get this console out of here? And so we ended up getting like a, a Rubbermaid cart, yeah, like a real tiny thing, and we like balance this giant PM1D. Yeah, it was oh like redi- the, as we're doing, I'm like, this is a big mistake. <laughs> so I kept thinking, don't drop it, don't drop right, it. Right? Yeah. What are we doing anyway? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So yeah. anyway, so then you started doing that. Yeah. Started doing that. Was there for a few years. I kind of bounced to the programming side of Willow, helping with their weekend services, being an associate producer over there for a while. And then eventually came back to production, back to my previous role. Mm-hmm. So I think you were actually my boss twice in my <laughs> yeah. almost 10 years at Willow. Uh-huh. Anytime I was in the production department, right. you and I had a season together. So that's really when our relationship started. Right. Um, you were leading not only me, but other next gen, my coworkers who sure. were doing kids ministry and junior high and things like that. Yeah. And I think we titled you the best boss ever, if I remember correctly. Right. I didn't want to bring it up, but... Yeah. Well, I was... I remember that. Uh, We probably gave you a a I think we still have like a giant card, like one of those oversized cards. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we should bring that to the Philo office and frame it just to remind you. Yeah. 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 So... Yeah. Now, so maybe just one quick question about kind of the bouncing between production and... Mm -hmm being a producer, like what made you make the move to become a producer? And then what made you make the move to go back? Was it mm-hmm. like people related or just like a new challenge or? Mm-hmm. I think it was actually, there's an answer for both. I think the woman who was my leader and a mentor of sorts when I was at the very first campus in high school, mm-hmm. who really called me into ministry and encouraged me and developed me. She eventually came on to the South Barrington team and I had the opportunity to work with her again over on the programming side. So I think that was one reason I really was eager to work with her again. And we had such a fantastic working relationship that I I wanted to give that a shot. I think it was up for a new challenge at that point. Mm -hmm. The ministry that I did with the high school ministry, the first wave, it was pretty grueling. Not only did my room get stripped of half of its equipment, you know, but (laughs) just trying to maintain the massive volunteer team that needed to keep that going Mm -hmm. and the challenges of being a young leader who truly like didn't know what I was doing. Right, right. I think I was eager to try something different to see if maybe it felt like a better fit. 
so yeah, I tried my hand at the producing thing and loved certain parts of that, but it wasn't as good of a fit as coming back to production, which I ended up sure, doing. Right. I think I'm more a leader of people as opposed to an actual technician sitting behind a lighting console or audio console. And I could use those gifts more in production than I right. could in programming at yeah, the time. Okay. And so I missed leading the teams and being with the people. Sure, that was right. my favorite part. Yeah, it's interesting just um, like thinking back on that first round of being a TD for you and then the being the producer and then the after. And I'm just like, there was really no part of that that was easy. <laughs> I'm just thinking Valid. about the people and the <laughs> just the task, you yeah. know, ahead. And yeah. there was, maybe it's like this everywhere, but like it seemed like seasons of lots of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um People coming and going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. made you made it through it. <laughs> Somehow. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just and like just shy of ten years. Wow. Just shy. Yeah, ten years seems to be like a, a like a milestone. If mm-hmm. you make it past seven, I think somebody used to yeah. tell me, like, if you've made it past seven, you're you'll make it to ten. Right. But then uh, no one can tell you if you'll make it after Exactly. Someone told me the exact same thing. (laughs) They congratulated me around seven and then they were like, oh, you're going to be here for a while more. Yeah. Yeah. That person's still there decades later. Oh, really? Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. That is crazy. Badge of honor. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, gosh, talk about the change. You just think about, thinking back to 2004, Mm -hmm. I mean, just how many things are, have changed in life and Mm -hmm. at that church and yeah. Very different. The people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Yeah. But one of the cool parts is still having friends and connections from either those high school days of doing production as a volunteer. You know, we were just reminiscing with a mutual friend the other day who happened to be my friend in high school who I was doing production with. And I was taken back very quickly yeah. to the insanity of that season, but yet the fun and clearly the memories of right, right. doing ministry at those times. And we still, you and I both have so many friends who are even still at Willow Creek and doing really great ministry yeah. work there and really you know grateful for that. Of, just reminding me of the, like, not to not to promote my book at all, but it's just <laughs> reminded me of a chapter in there about, like, production is hard, so let's have fun. Totally. And, like, one of the things that I love most about production is the people side of it mm-hmm. and just being able to do ministry with people that you love being with and... So just the fact that we are still working together is so great. And thinking about Justin, you know, who is helping us with Philo that mm-hmm. was you used to serve with in high school. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think we go down the list of people that we still get to work with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It comes from history and I mean, hard times and like struggling through stuff. But yeah, just great people. Yeah. I think that's the whole reason I started in production from the first place. If my friends were doing it, I would I would do just about anything with them, especially in those high school days. Right. And so if they were into production, sure, why not? Give it a shot. And sure. I'm still kind of sticking with it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a different way, but, you know, right, still, right. still involved. So. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So you said you were there for a little under 10 years. What, mm-hmm. what happened after that? So a little, I guess, late in that ninth year at Willow, I really felt like... I heard God say, I'm preparing the way for somebody else to come into your role, which kind of came out of nowhere and was 
a terrifying thought. I didn't have any idea what that meant, but fast forward a little bit of time, we discovered it meant that somebody else was really, their heart was prepared, their career path and everything was prepared to take my spot. And he was there for 10 years. He actually just recently left. Oh, right. Yeah. A friend, Troy. So Troy was there for 10 years in my stead. So anyways, I left Willow, had no idea really what God had next for me, but I ended up joining a team at a local production agency here in in the Chicago suburbs and was with them for a few years. But I kind of came in on the ground floor of that business, helped create processes and grow that team and help them find a studio and things like that. And that wasn't feeling like the greatest fit. I, I really enjoyed kind of launching things with that team and getting things going, but really felt like that wasn't the long-term solution. So then I did something totally out of left field. <laughs> it was this, production. <laughs> it was production in a totally different yeah, that's way. That's right, a very different kind of production. It was food production. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So one of my hobbies when I was leaving Willow and starting at the production studio was making cupcakes in my free time and really loving the baking aspects of it and the creativity behind it. But more than that was actually being able to deliver those things to people, give them away and like be a part of someone's Mm. special day or birthday or wedding or whatever the occasion was. And it was growing over time that I realized I was loving it so much that if I didn't try to make something of it, I would probably regret it one day. Mm. And so I left the production studio and I went and launched my own business and kind of plunged in the deep end of being an entrepreneur in the food industry, which is Now I know a very grueling industry. (laughs) The margins aren't very high. The work is very tiring and it's very competitive. So I ran a cupcake business for a few years. Chelsea's Cupcakes. Chelsea's Cupcakes, RIP. Rip. So maybe (laughs) if you were at Philo 2016, you might have remembered they were selling cupcakes. We sold cupcakes in the lobby. lobby. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was a very, very fun year because I was serving as a producer. Like I was a volunteer of yours in the main room. Yeah. But then I had all my (laughs) girls out in the lobby selling cupcakes in the breaks and it was a fun collision of my my favorite parts of my world. Yeah. (laughs) That was wonderful. But I quickly also learned that cupcakes was not the thing. It wasn't my lifelong goal. I'm not so much of a wonderful entrepreneur. Um, I'm a better as I say, number two, like I'm a better right-hand person to someone else. Less visionary, more execution, more detail, more operations. So I made the hard decision to close Chelsea's Cupcakes, Mm -hmm. but I didn't, again, know what was next. You guys see a theme here? (laughs) It's a very large theme. I did a process called a life plan, Mm -hmm. which if you guys don't know what that is, it's a two-day facilitated process. If you want to look it up, look up Patterson online. Actually, if you were at Philo 2018. Yes. Yeah, Pete. Pete Richardson. Richardson was uh, yes. was one of our main session speakers. And he Good pull, is yeah. the, does he run the Patterson Center? I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. So yeah. he he sort of helped develop the the life plan thing. He did. And I, I have had one done too. And I would, I'm a huge fan also. Yeah. Fantastic process. If you're looking to make any sort of change in your life, if you're wanting to really hone in on how God has wired you, what talents he's given you, and how you could best use those in the years to come. And so one of the tools that you get to do during that process is a vocational tool, and you can ideate any series of 
vocations that you think you might want to do in the future. And then you can put them up on the board and compare them to all the things that you've learned during your life plan about your talents and how God's wired you and see if any of them would be a good fit. And so I threw Philo up on the board without you and I ever having a discussion (laughs) about whether I could ever work for Philo. Yeah, There was no previous history there. I had just been serving at Philo and loving every ounce of it for those first couple of years. Mm -hmm. But I threw Philo on the board and my terminology is it was greens across the board. Mm. So meaning everything that I felt like I had named that God had wired up inside of me felt like the premier fit Mm. with all things Philo. And that was mind-blowing to me. It was also fantastic to see that the other careers that I was kind of thinking about were not a great fit. There were reds and yellows kind of across the board. And so that's what gave me confirmation to close the business. And then I got really bold and I asked to have coffee with Todd. And I was (laughs) like, Todd, I think you should hire me. (laughs) And I don't really remember what exactly you said. Like the words are not etched in my brain. But I remember the... (laughs) the idea of the rest of the meeting was, well, that's fascinating. Now's not the time, essentially. Right. Yeah. That was 2016, the, like the summer of 2016. Right, right. Yeah. So I, of course, was, you know, kind of sad and disappointed and, you know, didn't really understand why I would have such an amazing experience in life plan and then, you know, Philo, like we're not ready, you know, it's not, right, right. not the right time. So I chose to be patient And I worked some retail for a while just to kind of kill time and try to discern like what God had for me and kept serving at Philo. Mm -hmm. And 2017, you know, Philo rolled around. We did that together. I helped execute the main sessions and produce in there. And then that summer, you called me for coffee. (laughs) Kind of out of the blue. Yes, I did. We were at Daily Projects having coffee one summer day. (laughs) And you said, what would it take for you to come work for Philo full time? And I Mm. said, basically nothing. Let's go. <laughs> I remember that conversation. Yeah. So fast forward four years and here we are. My goodness. <laughs> Ta-da. So good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to remember. Yeah. It just wasn't the right time. 2016 yeah, yeah. wasn't the right time. I don't know how you were doing it in 2016 because it was practically just you and Joanne. Yeah. It was insane. Uh, I'm not sure how we were doing it either. Yeah. But somehow we were. You were. Yeah. Well, I could, <laughs> but the first thing I thought of was, well, merch was just one t-shirt design. That was, that's how we did that. Very true. I got time for one thing. Here we yeah. go. That's it. One thing. You put did, on a hoodie you, and put it on a t-shirt. Totally. <laughs> you had partners, you had breakouts, you had, you know, trade show kind of experience going on. Yeah. We had a great venue. Like you, you made it happen, man. <sighs> wow. It's hard to even fathom. One thing that I thought was interesting just in hearing your story was that maybe another data point for all you Philo community people is that before we were doing Philo, when we were both on staff at Willow Creek, we did a thing called Gurus of Tech. Mm -hmm. And you were the producer in the room for those Mm -hmm. as well. Once as a staff person and twice as a contractor. Is that right? Mm -hmm. That is dead on. So yeah, my last year at Willow, it was actually... My very, very final time technically on staff at Willow was working the Gurus of Tech Conference, which was at Willow, South Barrington. Right, right. No, Willow, sorry, Willow Crystal Crystal Lake. Lake, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the next two years hired as a contractor through that video production company to help out with Gurus of Tech. Again, you couldn't shake me. I just kept (laughs) like, I had to come back. 
Gurus of Tech was very much like what we're doing at Philo right now in terms of gathering church tech artists yeah. around the country and bringing them together for two days of awesomeness. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've been doing that together oh since goodness, when? 2011. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. And it was like in February that year or something, wasn't Happy it? Happy 10 year. Yeah, we missed it. We did. We should, should put, that, <laughs> put that on the calendar. We should. Yeah. That's true. That's great. Hey, we'll wait till after Philo's over. In two or three days, we'll we'll party. We've been saying a lot around here. That's a May thirteenth project. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Meaning when Philo twenty twenty one Chicago is over, right? Then we're going to do all these brilliant ideas that we've had and had no time for. Completely. So we'll do that. Can't then. wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, we've been talking just about your journey and sort of how you got to Philo. Like, is there is there something that is like your favorite part of it or like what makes it feel like such a great fit for you? Because what we're doing is not easy. Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot of work and, you know, we're joking about waiting till May 13th, but it's like, no, it's not a joke. It's like, it's happening. It's intense. Yeah. And so to do something that's so intense, mm-hmm. but to feel like this is what you're made for, mm-hmm. like that there has to be something in there that is an anchor for you or a, like something that's keeping you mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. I mean, other than the best boss ever. Totally. <laughs> 100%. Right. There's got to be something else because that's not enough. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Um, I honestly think it's the answer of just people. Mm-hmm. I think that the obvious is that Philo community wouldn't be a community without all the people, right. you guys listening to the podcast, the people that come to the conferences, that participate in all the endeavors that we do. If it weren't for the chance to minister to all those people and connect with them and help them as best we possibly can, one, why are we doing this? But two, that's what gets me out of bed most days mm-hmm. is um, the ministry potential that is there for us as a Philo team, but also for the churches around the world. Because like you like to say, if you can get better, your churches will get better. And so the ministry potential is huge. And because I'm not necessarily like an audio technician or lighting technician, although I can I can do a couple things, you know, <laughs> I'm more interested in the people and developing them to be the best they can be. Mm-hmm. Like, let me get you the resources, audio engineer, so that you can run that board the best you possibly can. That's my best play in the whole entire thing. And so I think in this Philo team, I get to use those best parts of my skills to mm. to help resource all the Philo people, you know? Yeah. And I love Philo people more than anybody else on this planet. That's why I married one of these Philo people, you know? (laughs) We live and breathe it every day and get such a joy out of serving at our own church and and participating in all things Philo. Yeah. So one thing that I've just thought of listening to you and like sort of hearing your heart for Philo and why it feels like such a great fit for you and then tying that back to kind of these moments in your life where you just like, I feel like God's asking me to step out and I'm not really sure what's next. Mm-hmm. You've said it a few times. It just struck me that if you had not been willing to make those little decisions along the way, you might not be here. Mm-hmm. And while it's scary to like take those steps, mm-hmm. they're so necessary to kind of how we should be living. Mm-hmm. I think that there have been times in each of those transitions where I've gone, God, what are you up to? Mm-hmm. Like, why why am I leaving something again? Why has it only been two or three years? Why something new? 
why can't I hit my stride at a particular company or, you know, doing my own thing? And I had a friend tell me at one of those pivotal points that I'm helping to lay foundational bricks at different places Mm -hmm. and that I'm a really good bricklayer. (laughs) And I think there's something to be said for people who can help create teams and create processes and create experiences and then let them fly. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a theme through all of those different seasons. But I also can see a through line of I learned production at Willow and I learned entrepreneurialism and video production and things like that in that middle kind of season. And all of those things actually tie into what is now my time at Philo and putting skill sets from each of those seasons into play right now. And that's a wonderful gift. Yeah. Hearing you say, you know, you're a bricklayer. It's like not you're not only laying a foundation for whoever's coming after you, but even in your own life, you know, mm-hmm. it's like building on, building skill on skill. And then, you know, it's easy to look back and see it, uh, how it all ties together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's hard when you're in the middle of it to not really know what, why am I doing this? And what does cupcake baking have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. But it does, it has, it has yeah. plenty to do with what you're doing now. I mean, we're not, it's not like we're making cupcakes here, but. There's stuff you learn there that's yeah. super valuable. Maybe we should be. <laughs> Cupcakes. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to modify the offices a little bit. Too. Just a little bit. <laughs> We're not up to code for that. <laughs> okay, so let's jump back to what Philo is about and the, the part that you bring to the table. And a lot of what you do here is process-driven and you know just trying to keep the the thing moving forward. And a lot of that is involved in uh, setting up systems and trying to build some structure around what we're doing. Mm-hmm. As we've gone on this journey, I mean, I think this is why it seems almost comical. Like, how did you make 2016 happen? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, because I'm not a process person. And I live in a lot of sort of gray area thinking, which, you know, that's fine. That's how I'm wired. But mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't lend itself to thinking about the process very much. And so that's that's one of the huge parts that you bring to the table here. And as production people, the process matters. And so I guess I would just love to hear your, like how you think about like setting up a process or why it matters mm-hmm. or, because I think a lot of us, it's easy just to focus on the product. So like, We'll be at Philo 2021 tomorrow, mm-hmm. and that will be the thing we've made. And <laughs> that's the easy thing to look at and say, wow, big success. But it really doesn't happen without all the stuff that comes before it. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about your gray kind of thinking, <laughs> we have a term for that here at Philo, don't oh, we? Oh, we do? <laughs> we do. <laughs> The squish factor. Oh, right. Yes. The squish factor. the master. Master Master of squish. Yes. So if you guys need to adapt that terminology into your... (laughs) It's also my DJ name, master of squish. (laughs) Squish master, we'll figure it out. Okay. (laughs) It's in process, people. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's it's in the... It makes sense that it's in process. It'll never (laughs) land. Right, right. It'll never land. It's a little bit squishy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's why you brought me on board in... 
2017 mm-hmm. was because we were we were growing exponentially every single year yeah. and therefore that demands um, a certain level of process and things put in place that we just hadn't really done before mm-hmm. and it was clearly more than one person should ever try to or have to handle on their own. So that was one of the most exciting parts about coming on in that season because it was a chance to help develop process when there was none and to evaluate what's been working in the past, where would you like to go and what kind of process can I bring to the table to help us get there? Mm -hmm. And so I think we saw in 2018, especially when we moved to a new venue, we were at Willow Creek for the first time in 2018. We tried a lot of new things and we engaged a lot of new processes in that you know, nine months or whatever that I was on your team. Mm -hmm. And in 2018, we kind of saw some explosive, not just growth, that's not the word I want to use, but new exciting things about Philo that we kind of got to try because you weren't alone anymore and because we kind of had official processes to get us there, which was very cool. I think that process gives projects a fighting chance at being successful Mm without leaving a wake behind it. Sure. So if you can engage a great process from the beginning of a project or from the beginning of trying something new, then I think you're trying to set yourself up for success and also the team that you're working with. Mm -hmm. So I think of this as it can be a singular action. You can have a process just for yourself, but you can also have a process when you're with another team of 5, 20, 50, 100, doesn't matter to try to get you from where you are today to whatever you would define as success in the future. Right, right. And the hope is that you're maintaining healthy relationships in the middle of that. You're not uh, losing relational equity with your teammates because you have a healthy process and you're not kind of dinging people along the way, causing those casualties, causing that wake, like sure. I said. So. And did you, I mean, where do you feel like you picked up on that? Hmm. I think... In my earliest years in full-time ministry at Mm -hmm. Willow, being in a room that was under-resourced with a budget that wasn't very big at all with, you know, probably not enough volunteers in those early days, all those kind of hardships, it all felt very overwhelming if I looked at it all at once holistically. Mm -hmm. And that's the season when I learned to kind of just bite-size and take it one thing at a time. Sure. Because the demand of ministry in a typical church setting is that you have another service coming in just seven days. You know, you finish one and you're already looking in the immediate at the next one. Mm -hmm. And so it was very overwhelming to feel all those hard pain points. Like, I can't tackle all of those in seven days. Like, I'm never going to fix this. But realizing that if I could look at and identify one particular problem and create a process for one particular thing, even just taking one baby step, one action step to move it forward, then I could gain the momentum that I needed in order to build a volunteer team or in order to, you know, start fixing equipment or, you know, whatever the the thing was that I was trying to tackle. So that's one of the earliest times that I can think of. And do you think it was more about self-preservation or was it about creating a good experience for your volunteers? I mean, it could be both, but I'm just wondering yeah. the like the was the the initial urge based on just like if I'm going to survive, I have to do this. Mm. I I honestly think it was both. Yeah. I had such a value in the people, and I wanted the volunteers coming to like have a great experience, like you said mm-hmm. for sure. But I was also trying to survive. Yeah, 
And I knew better than to assume that I could live in that funk I was in for long term and survive any longer than six months, you know? Sure. So I really tried to do whatever I could to do the betterment process, you know, every single week in order to have a fighting chance at wanting to stay in this job, you know? And so I can remember during services, which don't we all sometimes have these services where thing after thing after thing just seems to be going wrong (laughs) or you're identifying broken equipment or things, transitions that could have been better, volunteers that didn't show up. And I would just keep a list. I literally write a list on the back of my cue sheet every Mm. single weekend. And I kept those cue sheets in a file that probably has been since destroyed. Um, (laughs) But what it was, was an example directly in front of my eyes for that next week of going, here's all the things that I would love the chance to improve. I probably never got all of them done. Sure, right. But there was a way to say, are there two or three things that I could, you know, try to fix before next Sunday or, you know, start working on. And so some of those required developing processes. Mm -hmm. And I know volunteer recruitment was a huge one. That's the one that like most particularly comes to mind. But yeah. Were you good at homework in high school? I was horrendous (laughs) at homework. (laughs) I'm not a good student in general. but Yeah. Well, it's interesting because the the first thing I thought of as you were talking was uh, I had one semester in college where it was a summertime semester. So I'm living in Alabama. I don't know that many people. There's really, it's so hot outside. Oh my gosh, the South people, <laughs> come on. It's so hot. So I was just like, okay, I have four classes. I have to do well in them. I, there's nothing to do. And so I just made a pact with myself that I had an eight, nine, and a 10 o'clock class. I would come home. I would eat lunch, read a book while eating lunch, The Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, it's like all coming back to me now. Yeah. And then I would do my homework for the day. And then when it came time for the tests, I really didn't have any. I remember the first set of tests, I sat down to study and like, I'm going to put in the hours. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I know this stuff Mm -hmm. because I've been doing the homework every day. I've been Mm -hmm. working on it every day. And I was like, wow, this is revolutionary. I never did it again. (laughs) But I mean, just like a a great example of just like taking bite-sized chunks out of something Mm -hmm. has such an easier way of going about life. Mm-hmm. It moves procrastination completely to the side. Yeah. Because if you have goals and deadlines set out from the beginning, mm-hmm. then naturally you're going to want to work towards them. Mm-hmm. Even if you see that the deadline is tomorrow and you realize you haven't done anything, you're going to do it that day so that you can meet your deadline. Right, right. And then you're still moving the process forward. Sure. But it's a matter of taking a process, breaking it up into bite-sized chunks, mm-hmm. setting you know little deadlines all along the way so that you can achieve the bigger goal at the end. It's interesting. I was looking at my Facebook memories Mm -hmm. from today, and I think 11 or 13 years ago, somewhere in that range, I wrote a blog post that I had just posted on Facebook. Okay. And it was about product versus process. Oh. Was the, I don't know what the title was, something like that. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, interesting that we'll be talking about process today. I should go, like, see what this is about. Yeah. It was a very short blog post, but it was... It was kind of about the idea of setting up a process so that the like rehearsal goes well, and you know we have all this process in place. That there was a season of my life as a production person where I think I was perceived as like that's what matters most to me, Mm. instead of like what 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 are we actually doing? Mm -hmm. Like, 
are we even doing the right thing or is the final product even what we want? Do we rehearse it right mm -hmm. to achieve this thing? And I think, yeah, the, there were so many times where we would have this massive process and we'd be following it exactly and everything would go perfectly. And then you get to the service and you're like, I think we rehearsed the wrong songs, mm -hmm. you know, or what, mm -hmm. whatever we we weren't paying attention to, is this working? Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if I have a question <laughs> in there, but like I think the I think so many end product people, mm -hmm. so we'll put pastors and maybe worship leaders and you know, congregants mm -hmm. in that category can tend to see us as like we only care about the process mm -hmm. and not about what the end result is. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the maybe the question is what how can you help those people to not see you that way or hmm. to to care about the process but then uh, maybe be open-handed with if we need to change we we change mm -hmm. I think that there's a piece of it that comes down to vision mm -hmm. I think that you know our yours and mine current reality is that we're all about the Philo conference that's happening tomorrow yeah that's happening in about a month <laughs> when we're recording right <laughs> yeah. now but if we didn't have a clear vision for what we are hoping that that experience is like mm -hmm. and what people walk away with and, you know, there's some goal setting in that and things, but really there's a, there's a heart and a vision, a Christ-centered vision for that event that needs to be totally palpable to the people coming to the event to the people that are helping us. Like we have a giant volunteer team mm -hmm. and our file core team staff that like that vision has to be front and center the entire time. Cause if it's not, then I think it can just come down to the specific product that you're producing. It can be the breakouts that we're going to have featured and you know, the worship sets that we're going to be doing. Right. But you and I both know, and we hope everybody around us also knows it's about so much more than that. And so I think vision is a key, is a very key part of it. The other thing that comes to mind is, I think this is out of your book, plug in the book again, <laughs> oh, what, what? the Philo book. <laughs> There's a chapter in there about the 80-20 rule, correct? Right. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the idea of being 80% prepared and then leaving room for 20% kind of in the moment execution as you're in rehearsals or run-throughs or even in the service, you know, sometimes that has to happen. Changes have to occur. Tweaks need to be made. And allowing yourself the room to say yes to those kinds of things mm -hmm. when appropriate. For the volunteer teams that we lead and the faculty that we're working with and all that, of course, we want to do our darndest to set up a fantastic experience for them, have it all locked and loaded, you know, be totally prepared. But yet we also want to be very attuned to what the Holy Spirit is teaching us in those few days of executing the Philo Conference mm -hmm. and to what God is telling you when in your quiet moments with him or, you know, I think of Justin Firesheets who's coming to teach, you know, like what is God telling him as he's, you know, doing his last prep for the conference and like how can we best set that up and serve him in the process, mm -hmm. um, him being Justin and also the Lord, you know, like <laughs> what can we what can we be doing to keep an ear turned towards God yeah. in, in those moments? And I think the thinking about the 80-20 rule, yeah, there's only so much we can know for certain. So let's crush those things. Yeah. I think is the, like when we're talking about process, it's taking hold of the things that we know, or maybe like we think something's going to happen here. It's going to be this or that or this other thing. So let's just be ready for 
not being sure in that moment. But, mm-hmm. you know, these other 50 things, we know them and mm-hmm. we can solve them. And mm-hmm. so even thinking back to your days of writing on the back of your cue sheet, the things that didn't go well, that you want to go better next time. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, what could I do on Tuesday mm-hmm. to solve some of these instead of just waiting for Saturday to roll around. Totally. I know for me, when I was working at a portable church, we, we used to meet at 4.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, the person that was responsible for like printing out stage layouts and the, and the input list uh, would wait until 4.30 on Sunday morning. And without fail, like the printers didn't work or the copy <laughs> machine was broken or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I, I could remember one day, one morning, he just completely lost it just so mad at the IT department or I don't even, we don't even think we had an IT department back then. It was some time ago. (laughs) Um, But I was just like, dude, why aren't you doing this on Friday? Like when there are people here that can maybe fix those things. Yeah. There's no reason to leave it till now. Right. And so. It's a matter of looking at pain points and evaluating if any of them happen to be in your control or not. mm -hmm. If they are then trying it differently next time to try to help solve the pain point. Because I think in any type of live event production, inevitably pain points will occur Mm -hmm. or fires, you know, not literal, but like problems arise, relational issues or technology issues or whatever, they they happen. Mm -hmm. And it's a piece of just why our people are awesome and deal with that stuff as they go. But I think knowing that that stuff is bound to happen at some point why would you not do everything in your own power, your own control throughout the week or leading up to your event so that your hands are open, your mind is fresh, you're like ready to take on those challenges Mm -hmm. when they occur versus like in that scenario, leaving the work for the ninth hour when really you could do it two days before. So that, that morning you're just like game face on, ready to go, not having to deal with that stuff that could have been taken care of a couple of days ago. Right, right. And you're ready to meet the problems yeah. head on. Yeah. So there was a series of months or years when I was at Willow where I was having a hard time getting information enough to make a plan. And so we would spend all of our rehearsal just trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah. And then there's no capacity for really anything else because we've used it all. Just totally. trying to figure out what are what what's happening how many choruses of that song are we doing or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was unable to really get buy-in from the people I needed the information from. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, maybe do you have any advice for like, okay, I'm trying to build a process, but Mm -hmm. the people that are like, have all the info aren't playing nice. Right. The (laughs) hardest time to deal with that kind of an issue is when you're in the heat of the moment doing a service. Yeah. So you're not going to get any success out of, yelling from the booth or talking in, you know, the (laughs) musician's ears, you know, about trying to solve a problem that really should just kind of be set aside until it's maybe during the week and you can Mm -hmm. have a phone call or sit down with that person. And that vision word again is so key. So Mm -hmm. whether you're dealing with the lead pastor, let's just say, let's paint a picture where his graphics change, you know, inevitably um, up until the ninth hour and you're like 10 minutes before the service and you're trying to change pro presenter and how frustrating we've all been there. You know, there's a high likelihood that a majority of that stuff can get taken care of earlier in the week to set everyone up for a better process in the weekend so that you can make minor tweaks or small, tiny adjustments live in the moment if they're needed. I would ask to meet with the pastor, no matter if we have a, a strong relationship or not, start just by 
getting coffee together or whatever, grab a sit down with that person and really walk them through the pieces of the process and the pain points and then the realities that it causes for you and your team Mm -hmm. and have a dialogue about, you know, how realistic do you think that it could be for us to try to shift things? Let's try it, like offer maybe just a test run to see how it feels for everybody. Come in with a posture of open-mindedness and grace for the other person because they're likely frustrated as well. Mm -hmm. You have certain pain points and they do too. Like their graphics just continually need to get changed, you know, and they're up on stage and there's pressure and all of that. So coming in with grace and then trying to communicate how it feels on your side and for your team and painting a picture of what success could look like and then find out if they're willing to join you in that is a starting place and build relationship. Yeah, I I love the, just the idea of let's just do a test run this week and see how it goes. Because I think a lot of times in my experience, if I'm trying to build a process, then the it sometimes can feel confining to the other person. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to lock me into something that I can't change later. Right. And so to be able to say, hey, let's just try it this week and see, and then we'll talk next week and see how it went, yeah. I think is so great. The other thing too that you've reminded me of is that sometimes maybe it's after this moment where you say, hey, let's try a different way mm-hmm. that if things don't change or that didn't work or that then it's time to really look at do we need to build a process around our reality mm-hmm. instead of trying to change the reality to the process? Mm-hmm. Um, now, sometimes I think that there is there is no process, and so one needs to be created. Mm-hmm. And, oh, hey, we really do need this on Thursday. Oh, yeah, no problem. I think a lot of times we don't have the, com- the initial conversation, but then I think there comes another time where it's like, okay, we're never going to get anything on Thursday, mm-hmm. and we need to come to grips with that and how can we build a process around getting them on Saturday morning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also not just say, okay, well, you know, got to wait till Saturday morning and that's mm-hmm. the only way it's going to be, but to say, okay, uh, how can we succeed getting it on Saturday? Maybe mm-hmm. it's, we need a contract person to come in on Saturday, or maybe it's, I'm shifting my week, mm-hmm. you know, my days off to accommodate the Saturday thing, or mm-hmm. that we're not just looking at, well, I got to, create a process with what I have in front of me mm-hmm. instead like, okay, what, what's it going to take to change the process? Yep. I think it takes 30 days at minimum to build a new habit or mm-hmm. a new process. And I'm thinking specifically of a week in, week out church service scenario. Yeah. And so if it's successful one week, keep communicating, keep reminding, keep investing your full energy into that process to actually over communicate to all the people involved, remind them, it worked. We're going to celebrate that and we're going to do it again next week, you know, and keep doing that and almost like broken record style for like four to six weeks right, right. so that people really can experience the goodness that can come from the new process. But also in your scenario where you're saying perhaps it doesn't work, I would try it probably more than once, you know, try yep. different options and see if there is a successful way. And if there's not, and there's just a hard reality of a weekend execution kind of thing like you're painting the picture of, just be aware of your attitude in that process. Because I think however you're handling it yourself is going to bleed into your coworkers (laughs) and your volunteers that you're leading and how you choose to handle 
yourself in those moments is very key. And it will speak a lot to your leadership about how they can trust you or how willing they see that you are to do these kinds of things. And that's a hard, it's a hard step in the process, especially if it's not going the way that you wish that it was. Yeah. Back in uh, my earlier days, I don't know where the phrase came from, but enjoy the process <laughs> was something that we would just say to each other, mm-hmm. usually in like moments of frustration, like this is not going well. Enjoy the process. This is part of the <laughs> thing. The process is part yeah. of the outcome. And so enjoy it uh, instead of just being frustrated by it. And yeah, yeah not always easy to do. Right. I mean, I think yeah, there's too many people involved in what we do to have it be simple. You know, it's just... Everyone's different, different Mm -hmm. expectations. We're all wired differently. And so, so much of it, uh, you've said it already, comes down to building relationship with people. Mm -hmm. Once you start trusting each other, then you can start building a process that you know that other person values. They know that you're not just doing it to make your life easy, you know, but that it's part of like, we can do better things if we build this process together. Totally. I think of what we're about to execute tomorrow at the Philo Conference. <laughs> Stop saying it, yeah. Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. It feels like tomorrow. It does. But it's April. <laughs> and I think of the fact that we're doing something new that we've never really done before mm-hmm. in fully trying to stream this event. And yeah. we are doing a whole heck of a lot of new processes mm-hmm. with new teammates and people that we've never served with before. Yeah. And there's a lot of risk involved in Mm -hmm. what we're doing, a lot of challenge. You know, it's been a hard set of months getting to this point. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm speaking that even further, like (laughs) for the next few weeks, it will be hard. But we have to keep reminding ourselves of the goodness that will come. Yeah. On the other side. And I think we're we're going to have all the debrief meetings in the world after this conference is done. We know that. Mm-hmm. And that will be our time to really evaluate and, and figure out if some of the things we tried and some of the processes that we enabled are working mm-hmm. and if we want to do them again. Or it's a time to say, that one was a total bust. We don't ever want to do that again. Lots of learnings, good learnings, but like, let's do something different next right, time. Right. Or to celebrate the wins. And I think for all of us that are in live event or, you know, live service execution, you'll have that tension of both. You'll have really amazing things to celebrate and then you'll have really hard things that still need tweaking and refinement or overhauling Mm -hmm. and you'll get another chance to do them again. And I think you have to kind of keep your eyes set on both. You don't ever want to only celebrate and ignore all the hard things (laughs) and vice versa. You don't want to only ever look at the hard and not celebrate the wins. And so I'm already, you know, even being a month out, like I'm already eager for that party um, because we're going (laughs) to do both. Yeah, May 13th. (laughs) I'm sure we'll have some epic celebration somewhere, you know, socially distanced and whatever. But I'm looking forward to that because Mm -hmm. it's when our team can hold the tension of of good, hard and amazing all the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. <laughs> thanks so much for taking time and thanks yeah. for being part of Philo. Couldn't do without you. Happy to do it. Best work of my life. One, two, three, four. Man, I have to say it was so much fun to sit down and remember all the history between us. We've known each other a long time worked together a long time. And I just loved the thing about her story that she was willing to step out and follow God's call each time she felt like he was calling her to the next thing. And even when she didn't know what the next thing would be, she still stepped out in faith and waited for God to reveal what was next. 
And for us, and those of you listening, thankfully, one of those times was joining the Philo team officially. Could not be doing this without her, for sure. I really appreciate the amazing team that the two of us make together. We seem to both be gifted in the areas that the other person needs help in. And now that we've been doing Philo together full-time for four years, which is crazy to think about, I can't even imagine how we got it all done before that. Chelsea is so good at building a process to help move the ball down the field. Uh, The idea of taking bite-sized chunks out of the bigger problem to make something a little bit better each time. Yeah, she's so good at that and really helps our team live that way. If you're listening to this in real time, you can make sure to wish her a happy birthday on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Just send us a DM either to her directly or to our Philo page. We'll take it. And if you'll be at Philo tomorrow, you can wish her a belated happy birthday, either in the chat or face-to-face. Face covering to face covering, maybe I should say. Don't forget, you could still register. There's still time. Philo.org, that's the place to go. Looking a little bit past the Philo conference, if you're looking for kind of a deeper development opportunity, we're starting a couple new coaching cohorts in June and one in July. This has really been an amazing place to find community and share ideas and talk about stuff that really matters. I know I've gotten a ton out of the ones that I've led, and I'll be leading another one of those this summer. And Aubrey Wentz, who is one of our hosts from the Philo Conference, she'll be leading her second all-women cohort. And we also have a cohort alumni group led by Wes Harris, who's one of our OG Philo cohort members. You can go to philo.org and hit the coaching tab to sign up. And each group is limited to 10 people. So that's very small group, which really promotes kind of a very personal experience. That's like being in a small group. What do you know? Anyway, I would highly encourage you to check this out if you're looking for a little more community and just some mentorship in your life. All right. You can follow us on Twitter at at Philo Conference and on Instagram and Facebook, we're at Philo Community. All right, we'll see you tomorrow at Philo. 